Yeah, I'll believe that when I see Springer not doing three weeks worth of running drills prior to return. <laughs> I know, we've been, we've definitely had our issues with the Blue Jays being honest about... <laughs> He was signed and he was released by the Jays and signed back by the Jays. Like he's not a guy I really expected to make the big leagues, but here he is. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, one of them was pitching the other day. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mets. And welcome to episode number 217 of Artificial Turf Wars, reminding you that there's always a chance until you're mathematically eliminated. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the enthusiastic Joshua Howsom. Josh, how's it going? Oh, full of enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, probably another week I should have used that one. Um, it's, been, it's been a rough, rough swing through the West Coast, as they tend to be around here in Blue Jays land. Uh, yep. Laid heavily at the feet of the bullpen, although I will not let the lineup off the hook for this either. But uh, we're going to talk about the bullpen, and then we're going to talk about the starters. Uh, I think mostly of those not named Barrios. Um, we got to talk about George Springer, who wasn't around for the first part of the season and is now on a forced break from, uh, luckily, not a break. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez can do no wrong at the moment. And then there's all those other injured guys who we're going to, I'm not going to list them all here. There's a lot of them. Um, one of them <laughs> will turn this team around and surely send them lurching ahead of the Red Sox and the, and the Yankees in the standings. Um, yeah, we have all of that sort of update. We have naturally your questions because those are the most important part of this program. And then we have a gold star for MLB because we do not hand them gold stars very often. But I feel like that, I mean... Our bias should not run 100% against MLB, should it? No, just most of the time. Just 95% or so. Yeah. Clearly, this thing was not Rob Manfred's idea. Um, <laughs> so there is an old adage in baseball, and it, it is not, strictly speaking, true. It's just one of those, you could say this, and you sound like you know something about baseball because it's a really long season. You're going to win a third of your games. You're going to lose a third of your games. It's what you do with the other third that makes a last place team from a, a first place team or playoff team. The Blue Jays went on a six game West Coast road trip, or was it seven games? Seven, four in seven LA, games. three in Seattle. Yeah, and they they did the wrong thing with that middle third of the games, really consistently. Uh, that that was kind of painful in so many different ways. It was very 2021 Blue Jays. Yeah. I can think of so Consistency many... is something, right? So Enthusiasm. Many <laughs> <laughs> so many other West Coast road trips that have gone this way with relatively good Blue Jays teams. Against, and now I remind you that Seattle, although they may have a good looking record, does not score very many runs compared to the amount that they allow i.e. this is a team you should be able to take advantage of. And the Angels haven't been headed for the playoffs since, what, 2011 or something? I don't know. Mike Trout's been in the playoffs once. They're not any closer this year. See, the Angels series, splitting that one, it's, like, it's hard to sweep a doubleheader. It just is. And then they won a 10-2 to game, and they lost to Otani, right? I mean, like, that one I don't 
have as much of an issue with like going two and four, two and two in that four gamer, but it's losing two or three to Seattle and the, the way they lost the two games that they lost. That was really disappointing. Well, okay. I would say under normal circumstances, it is hard to sweep a double header, but because of the seven inning double headers and because the blue Jays chief weakness is their bullpen that cannot get enough outs to get to the end of the game. It would seem to me that, that they are, much more favored to sweep a doubleheader than most teams under this format, and they still fail to do so. That's why yeah, I, I guess actually, I guess that other than the Otani game, because Otani will just beat you. Yeah, and that was the game that you met, as you mentioned at the top that Barrios was bad. <laughs> that first game that they lost to the Angels was when Vlad missed a pop up. Yeah. It's like, how can things go so wrong? Why? Why does this happen? Uh, yeah. And well, again, would it have mattered had they scored more than, I believe, two runs was the, the number of runs that they scored? Was that the 3-2? No, this is the Angels game. They lost 6-3, to three, but oh, they were winning 3-2 three. Three three to two two. when the pop-up happened. Yeah. But again, had they had they scored... The amount of runs that one would hope one would score if one had the lineup that the Blue Jays definitely roll out there every day right now. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about that. Yeah, well, I mean, they did give up six in a seven-inning game. That's kind of hard to ask for. Yeah. Okay. But but those Angels games, or Mariners games, like you're saying, like with the offense, we'll get to the bullpen meltdowns and the like, but they scored two two runs in the first game. And three in the second. And in that second game, they were one for 10 with runners in scoring position. If they get even one hit with a couple of those guys on, the bullpen situation totally changes. Ryu doesn't come out of that game when he does, so Richards doesn't give up the bombs, and then Dolis doesn't come in. It just, the offense has a habit of letting teams stay in games for the bullpen to blow it. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's not like a force of will thing. You can't will it to work out better just because you know that you should be scoring, right? I get that. But the talent level of these individual hitters should be adding up differently uh, in these situations. And it just isn't. And it's tremendously disappointing over the long run here, as the Blue Jays are still three and a half back of the Red Sox for the second wild card, if I'm doing my math right. Um, yeah, I can't remember who's in first in that one. They're, I think they're four and a half back of the wild card. I have way too many tabs open. MLB playoffs. Four and a half back of Boston and Oakland who are tied. Okay, yeah. Seven and a half, three. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we keep saying, and we've said it for a while, team just needs to, you know, it needs to go on a run, needs to win, you know, 11 in a row or 10 in a row or like, you know, 13 to 15 or something crazy to really show its color. Still hasn't happened. It's the middle of August. I'm starting to, I'm starting to think, Josh. There might be some missing ingredient here. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I don't need a 10-game winning streak or a 15-game winning streak, but consistently winning 7 out of 10 is a lot to ask for, but even 6 out of 10, you know? It's like go those streaks where you beat the bad teams and split with the good teams, you know, as opposed to beat the bad teams and lose some to the bad teams and lose to the good teams, you know? Like, <laughs> like they, they took 3 or 4 against Boston, which was fantastic. And like I said, I'm okay at the two of four against LA, but you can't lose two of three to the Mariners right now. If you really like, I'm not, it's not over. I'm not proclaiming that in any way, but 
going forward, those are the kind of series they can't afford to lose. Yeah, and they, they make it, it becomes, because there's less and less season, it becomes more and more difficult. Um, losing those games, we should talk about exactly how frightening the bullpen still manages to be even after the upgrades. Yeah. Brad Hand is purported, we weren't sure if Brad Hand was any good, were we? I think I tweeted, I'm not sure if Brad Hand is still good when the trade happens. And I'm pretty sure uh, I'm developing a no, he's not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Opinion. Might be unfair, but he uh, who who allowed the bases to get loaded? I forget who was in prior so to So this Hand was the weird it. part. So Adam Simber came in, who has been, up to this point, the most reliable reliever in this bullpen. He got two quick outs. And then he walked two batters. The one thing that Adam Simber doesn't traditionally do is walk people. And so, of course, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, naturally. He walked two batters. And then there was a, a chopper that he jumped up and ticked so it didn't get to Semyon quickly. And then Semyon ran into the runner trying to field it. And then the bases were loaded and they brought in hand and he threw four straight balls. Four straight balls. Just and they weren't close. The Blue Jays lost on shrimp. <laughs> uh, with a brand new reliever in there. For those of you who don't know Shrimp, uh, just at Shrimp Alert on Twitter, and you can you can try and figure out Shrimp. It doesn't really make any sense, but it is tradition now. So the internet will play a video of a shrimp running on a treadmill when someone walks in the winning room. Um, yeah. And as you alluded to, uh, everything went from Ryu looking just fine to what the hell happened here um, in, in the last two innings against Seattle, which... That's the consistency of the Blue Jays is like, hey, we can give up a lot of runs in a short span of time. So it really doesn't matter what the offense does in the, you know, the eighth inning in the in the three outs that they've got or to play with or the six outs they've got to play with to try and get back in this thing. Yeah, so the thing on Trevor Richards, who was the guy who came into this one, he does give up some home runs. Um, that's something that he's done before. He's not like homer prone. He's not, you know. Tanner Rourke, who I keep bringing up, but he's not, but he's not that he's not Robbie Ray, but he does give up home runs. Unlike Simber, who finally gave up his first one of the year the other day, but you know, you can't come into a game and give up two home runs in relief <laughs> <laughs> to turn. What was at the time a three, two lead into a, I think it was six to three when he left. Cause there were two Ryu runners on base. And then Dolis came in and just threw some fire on some oil on the fire. Yeah. But I mean, at six three, and knowing what we know about close and late and everything else, it, it does feel like that was that was the real killing blow. Um, was it whatever oh, happened for sure. Dolis? Yeah. And now, I mean, three runs in two innings is tough to come back from for any team. You can you shouldn't expect that from any offense, but especially not the way the Jays are performing in those situations. It's like one Springer home run, and from they've kind of changed the way some people might remember the way this has been going. Yeah, and that is truly the exception rather than the rule. Um, despite the fact that when they start, like as we've said, we, we've gone over this a couple of times. You know, when they when they get in against the relievers who are not elite, hey, no problem, we'll keep tacking on runs. But when they get into the tight part of the bullpen that has an ERA under three, um, they look a lot more like a bottom of the division team, which they technically are, uh, than they do a top of the division team. Um, well, they also, if, do you remember how the top of that ninth inning went? No, see, I, 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 oh, I'll admit, I, I do not, I do not watch West Coast games. We talked, about, I actually mentioned that just before we came on the podcast because I'm an old man and 
I don't need to have my heart torn out by Brad Hand on four pitches at 1.30 in the morning. You can also have it torn out a few minutes before that by Brave Valera and the umpire, or the, the replay booth. So they got two hits, Kirk and Dickerson single. They pinch Rand Valera for Kirk because, of course, <laughs> in a tie game, uh, yeah, I mean, Kirk run. So, some things Charlie can't even screw up. Espinel actually got a bunt down. I'm I'm so happy, Josh. I, I feel the, the pain coming on. Yeah. And then so they walk Springer, of course, right? And then they bring up Semyon, who had a pop-up foul. And the, cat, the first baseman caught it going away. So Valera tagged... I have no idea why, with Vlad coming up with the bases loaded, but he did. And he was called safe, and then they, he was ruled out on a replay, which nobody seems to understand how. <laughs> <sighs> and then, then, then the bottom happened. So it's just like, they're, they're, as soon as he was called out, it's like the Jays are losing this game. I mean, obviously that's not how baseball works, but that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, I find often New York has conclusive evidence uh, that – Things need to turn out a certain way. And nothing else. Yeah. Not that the Blue Jays have not won their fair share of challenges this year, although the number of them that they have challenged that have been blatantly obvious that need to be overturned is the highest I have ever seen in a baseball season. Yeah, umpires are bad. You know, I don't I thought they were supposed to be getting better because they knew they were gonna get double checked. Maybe they just don't care anymore. Maybe they're like, eh. no, it turns out they're just bad, and that that's all there is to it. They can't be better. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Human beings. Okay, now the really painful part, and not just for George Springer, but for me personally. Uh, he went in uh, making a... Did he actually make the catch? No. No, didn't even make the catch. Went went into the uh, outfield near the, uh, to the wall and sprained his ankle. Bad enough that he had trouble getting off the field. Yeah, now the good news is that x-rays were negative, and he was a lot better the next day to the point that Montreux was like, well got the day off monday we'll see how he is tuesday and wednesday as in like there's a chance he could play against the nationals which is shocking considering the way it looked yeah i'll believe that when i see springer not doing three weeks worth of running drills prior yeah. to return i know we've been we've had, definitely had our issues with the blue jays being honest about but springer said it it wasn't it wasn't just the the jays saying it um, yeah that, that's fine again i i don't think anyone is, is necessarily doing the uh the jp ricciardi thing but I, I think that, you know, sometimes there's a, this overwhelming sense of optimism about how fast people are healing up these days. Yeah, I do think that with an ankle sprain, the next day is kind of when you know. You may very well be right. Yeah. I mean, um, and also like the fact that the x-rays were negative. And so he didn't break anything or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's still not what you want, especially when the team really needs to pile on the wins. Like you're going in to face Washington. Jays are still a much better team than Washington without Springer, but they're a much better team with him. Um, it, I know my next point here is not Vlad, but I keep seeing Vlad does now getting a hit a game, pretty much. But is he, he is he collecting total bases? Is he really driving the ball at this point? Well, his exit velocities were off the charts, and he got robbed of an, at least an extra base hit, maybe a home run by Mitch Haniger. Okay. So I still think yes. So you just need to give him Teoscar Hernandez's launch angle. And we're, <laughs> we're good to go. Because my next point was Teoscar, who is having a fine time out on the West Coast. Yeah, player of the week. 
three three Blue Jays in a row, and you know they lost four to five, four to seven, four to seven, three to yeah, four to seven. Do I hear six Just, eight? <laughs> yeah, shut up. Teoscar <laughs> 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 has turned into a fantastic hitter. Yeah, it. I, I mean, you know, you we look at Teoscar Hernandez's weaknesses as you would perceive them, or as anybody would have perceived them going into the season, it was contact. You know, like that's the issues he's had in the past, a lot of swing and miss and not taking maybe all that many walks. But what he's done over the last, I don't know, two and a half years, I guess at this point, is he's really started to do damage on the pitches that he hits. And that he swings at. Whereas in the past, he had a tendency to foul off some balls that you know were good to hit. And then he would get in a bad pitcher's count, and then all of a sudden he would be striking out. Yes, because yeah, tendency to expand the zone, chase breaking balls, all that, all that classic free swinger stuff. Yeah. And you know, he, he sort of fixed that. I mean, his walk rate is the lowest of his career. <laughs> But the strikeout rate is also the lowest of his career. And when you hit the ball as hard as Teoscar Hernandez does and as far as Teoscar Hernandez does, if you don't strike out as much, you're going to have the kind of numbers that he's having. Now, is he likely to hit 313? Probably not. His bad bip is 381. But it's he's still going to hit well. And I think that he's become real. And then some of the Jays should probably really seriously look at investing in long-term. Yeah. I, I think uh, as a, you know, a four or five hitter, Teoscar Hernandez is an excellent value proposition. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about this before the season that what he had done since coming back from the minors in 2019 was one of the best hitters in the American league but it was still split over half season in the majors and then last year's season that basically doesn't count. So we yep. wanted to see him do it again, and he's having the best season of his career. Uh, yeah, no, nowhere to go but up, he said, not thinking about that too hard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, uh, it, uh, yeah, if the Blue Jays want to offer Teoscar Hernandez a contract, I certainly have no problem with that. Also, uh, not that there aren't shenanigans in the outfield, but they're seem, that, that side of his game has, has certainly not gone downhill, which happens to some guys even as they you know get a little bit older. He seems to have stabilized his his um, abilities in the outfield. Well, I think when you say there's nowhere to go but up, it kind of does apply when it comes to Teoscar Hernandez's <laughs> defense. Ross Atkins' comments from the offseason notwithstanding. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, his... His stat, he's still in like the 38th percentile in outs above average and his outfielder jump, he's in the 45th percentile. These are the stat cast stats, but he's fast. He's got a great arm and he just isn't a zoo, a zoo. I was trying to say circus and zoo and he came out as a zoo. <laughs> I'm really having trouble today. He, he was, he's just not a complete mess like Lourdes Gurriel has been this year on fly balls. He just, he will miss some, but he's not really looking lost. Um, I like that you obviously did stay up to watch a couple of these games, and that's clearly had an effect on you by this point in the week. Uh, um, yeah, last week I complained it was a long day, and we recorded at like two in the afternoon. <laughs> Today it's you know it's like nine p.m. when we're doing this right now, so 
you know, I, I'm still struggling with, with, I don't know, time zones, even though I'm still in the East. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Let us go to the uh, maybe not injured anymore report. Is that what we're doing now? Because it's we don't really care who gets hurt. We care who comes back. Um, yeah. Well, especially. Be, well, so we, we didn't really talk about the rotation, but stripling is gone. You know, they got that whole six man rotation sorted itself out really fast. Yeah. Uh, we don't know how long he's out. He's got an oblique injury. But the Jays can afford the injury to one starter. And now they have these relievers coming back, which could make all the difference in the world with Nate Pearson and Tim Mesa, who both, well, I mean, Mesa was excellent. And Pearson looked like the reliever Nate Pearson in his first inning in Buffalo. Yeah. And I, I again, we've never seen. Uh, Nate Pearson in relief have any real problems. It's a small sample size, but I mean, the simplicity of, you know, very hard throwing Nate Pearson um, with one uh, fantastic secondary pitch seems to be like a no brainer. And like you said, Tim Mesa had been good all year. It was, it was a, you know, it wasn't the Ryan Barucki situation. It was a gut punch when Mesa disappeared. What is the yeah, timeline and- on those two guys though? Well, Mesa is, He's he has went on the ten day IL and it sounds like he'll be back as soon as the ten days is up. Hey. Which I was one of the rare times where they were truthful about it. It said they said his elbow had been bothering him a little bit and they just wanted to rest him. And they did. And now he's coming back. And then that Pearson, is, I mean Sorry, that's way better than the number of times and this is not this season, but the number of times where a guy has like disappeared for seven or eight days and people, you know, we've talked on Twitter and gone, hey, uh, or you and I on the podcast. Have we seen so and so in a game lately? And then, like two days later, they're like, "Yeah, we got to put him on the injured list." <laughs> Why did you yeah. handcuff yourself for a week? Just put him on the injured list. Yeah, they definitely did it the right ways. We're gonna get an arm up so that we can cover this, rather than being shorthanded for three or four days. They're definitely what they needed, especially with the double header and the you know no off days. But here's what Meza had done since June first: arbitrary endpoints, but it's just easy to use calendar months. Twenty-five games. 22 and a third innings across those 25, he'd allowed three earned runs, four runs total, and only 11 hits. And he struck out 22. Uh, that That's a fantastic number of people not reaching base. Yeah, and he'd only allowed one inherited runner to score, too. So, sorry, two. Two out of 16. And that's just an elite relief pitcher. And getting that guy back in the pen allows Brad Hand to try to find it in the lower leverage spots. I mean, like Brad Hand was fine in his second time. It's just whether he can find his breaking ball, which has gotten worse since the sticky stuff cracked down, just as it is with Jordan Romano. And Jordan Romano has managed to find a way more often than not. Yeah, it helps when you throw 100. It's yeah. a lot easier when you throw 100 than when you throw 93. Yeah, he just letting it, airing it out now at 100 plus, which uh, I hope, you know, I hope the max effort doesn't cause problems down the line. But for now, he's a reliever. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, let it rip. Uh, now, and you mentioned ahead. when they're coming back. Sorry. So Pearson, yeah. he threw his first rehab game for Buffalo. In relief, he'll probably only need two or three outings. Basically, as long as he's looking good, they'll call him up. All right, so it could be end of this week. Yep. Cool. Uh, does does Castro fit into this mix? So this is the interesting stuff thing. Anthony Castro is one of two rehabbing relievers. It's him and C.J. Edwards. The difference is that Anthony Castro 
is only on the 10 day IL. So they might add him back because he's not going to cost a, a 40 man spot. And, you know, who, who knows what the, the state of the bullpen will be? Will Connor Overton still be in the bullpen by then? Kirby Sneed. So I think that Casher will still get a shot to come back, but I would be shocked if they brought Edwards back because they don't want to cut someone because they'll have to cut someone when Merriweather comes back. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird roster crunch that occurs this time of year. And it's also that thing where I, I start to suspect that some of these names you throw out, you've made up and are trying to catch me. <laughs> like Connor Overton? Have you heard yeah, of him? Yeah, exactly. Did we? Like, we talk about prod, uh, prospects, you know, once or twice a year. We talk about, you know, uh, bullpen depth. We talked about bullpen depth a whole lot in June. You never said Connor Overton to me once, Josh. No, I did not. And he, I mean, <laughs> Connor Overton, was, he went to Indie Ball and he was signed and re he was released by the Jays and signed back by the Jays. Like he's not a guy I really expected to make the big leagues, but here he is. Uh, and then the last name that we have to talk about coming back, because I think it is a, a question mark, too, now that the you know things have, have changed around a bit with how the def defense lines up. Uh, Kevin Biggio. He, he technically had a spot on this roster i don't know what they're going to do with him so it's interesting so he's been playing third base obviously in the minors because there's nowhere else for him to play but i don't know if do they want to cut valera valera has been up and down but they have to cut him i believe i don't i don't think he has any options left and they don't and espinal has been fine but the thing is those guys have also cooled off a little bit so, I don't know. Does it really matter if you cut Bravik Valera? Uh, what, uh, yeah. Does Bravik, does Bravik Valera not just end up back on this team at some point, regardless? Uh, if, you know, if they'll have him. So, uh, yeah. So, Valera had that stretch of, I guess it was four games. I think he, he got he got seven hits in four games, and he upped his line to three. He's hitting 360 because he'd played 11 games. Yeah. Go and for then he's going over, over 12 cents. Yeah. So again, Biggio will have a spot. He, he will for sure. He's going to come back. It's just a matter of who they send down or cut. All right. That gets us to the end of the week that was and probably shouldn't be repeated or it's going to be an even more difficult. Like we're going to be reaching, hey, Blue Jays fans, this is an intervention stage if there's a couple more weeks like this week. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That was Josh's enthusiasm that I advertised so so deftly earlier. <laughs> hey, I, I, you said I was enthusiastic at the start. You didn't say yeah. I'd keep it up. <laughs> true. Absolutely true. Uh, we hope you're enthusiastic still because uh, we're going to go to your questions right after this short break and, uh, you know, use your energy to carry us through to the end. have returned and uh when we come back we like to stretch our uh, our limbs a little bit we like to crack our knuckles and then we usually like to answer a question or three time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question now how does that sound sweetheart could you repeat the question please literally three questions i have um first kevin at kevin chase four what do I get for staying up after uh, what? 
after one for those first two games in Seattle, I feel like I deserve a consolation prize at the very least. So, what Greg, as someone who chose not to do this, I think you have to decide what his prize is. His prize is a crushing sense of disappointment. <laughs> it's a bad deal. <laughs> it's a horrible deal. That's why I never go in for this stuff. <laughs> Learned my lesson ages ago. I'm sorry you did that, Kevin. Uh, you, uh, okay, here it is. You don't have to listen to me make another Brad Hand pun during this podcast. Uh, That's Josh, a lie. You know it. I, I, just one podcast. <laughs> what what do you think he should uh get for his suffering um i don't know the, like psychological help you're allowed to eat ice cream after midnight Did free you know therapy that? you know you're if you're watching baseball after midnight you're allowed to eat ice cream that's true there you go so yeah next time screw the time zone crap it's yeah. after base it's after midnight you get ice cream yeah if it's after midnight for you ice cream yeah yeah uh, Nikki at N-T-A-C-I-C. Uh, I believe that would be the first question I can recall from Nikki. So thanks for asking your question. Uh, did you see anything tangible in Grichuk's swing change? I suppose I should put like supposed swing change in there. Is he having a better approach? If not the results just yet, last game notwithstanding. So to put not too fine a point on it, Griff Grichuk, which we did not discuss, has been abysmal since the beginning of June. Um... Did they talk about him, you know, trying not to be abysmal? Well, we get this every, pretty much all the time. This idea that Grichuk has made some adjustment, and every time he goes on a little run, they're like, oh, he's doing this differently. And then it turns out he just goes back to doing whatever he was always doing. And so, frankly, it's still the same. The problem with Randall Grichuk is, and always will be, that he just doesn't know a ball from a strike. And when you combine that with a contact rate that isn't very good, you get the numbers that he has. He just has to take more pitches and he never has learned how to do that. Just as hitters rarely do ever learn how to do that. Like Kevin Pillar never learned it. And that was the problem. At least Grichuk can hit for some power though. Kevin Pillar is still in the big leagues, by the way. Think about so that. So is Randall Grichuk. Yeah. Um, one of them's making more money than the other though. Yeah. yeah one of them was pitching the other day. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what time did I say that at? We're putting that in the, in the intro. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so the last question uh, we have for tonight is from Zahir at Zeroid. How much Rays energy did the Mariners have in that series on a scale from Nelson Cruz to Brandon Lowe? Um, is Brandon Nelson Lau Lau is? Why would you pronounce it that way? Of course, why would you pronounce Thames as Tims and things? Um, Nelson Cruz, does he not have much Ray's energy because he's a, just started to be a Ray? Is that why he's the low end of the scale? I'm confused. I think it's probably because he has been really bad for the Rays. Oh, okay. I just always see about the highlight when he hits a home run every week, like once yeah, a week. Yeah, he's, he's, he's hitting 182 with a 241 on base and a 416 slugging. That makes way more sense to me. All right. So how much Ray's energy did the Mariners have? Mm, I don't know if it was quite Brandon Lau, but it might have been Austin Meadows or something, you know, just like someone else who's heartbreaking or Kevin Kiermeyer, something like that. Um, they had... Uh, not... 
who was the, the pitcher with the big afro? Very good for a while. Got traded away from the Rays, and then he wasn't any good anymore. Oh, Fernando Rodney? <laughs> no, 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 no. A starter. He didn't have an afro. What are you talking about? A a certain pitcher named Chris Archer, who's still on the team or back on the team? Oh, he's back on the team, is he? Not? He had. I think the Rays, uh, the Mariners, had Chris Archer. Rays energy. Sure. Either what way, it? it sucked. Yeah, it was awful. Um, you know, you can't trust a team wearing anything even close to uh, to gray and teal. And Fred um, didn't have a big, he just had a big beard. He didn't have an afro. I don't know what I was thinking there. <laughs> <laughs> You're distracted by the hat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So that, uh, that concludes the questions. Thank you all for asking. We're going to do that part again next week. So, you know, keep your Twitter tuned to the tweets. That's how that works, isn't it? Usually. We're going to do something that's difficult for us. We're going to hand out the gold star, and I'll tell you why it's difficult in a second. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. This is like the time we handed out... No, it's not, not nearly as bad as the time we handed out the gold star to Trevor Bauer. Um, I feel like since he never came to claim that, we can just put that in a drawer now. Uh, we're giving it out to Major League Baseball, who... I think gets more do-overs and criticism from us than than any other single organization, um, period. But they did things well. I wouldn't even say necessarily right, but they did things well. They took the Field of Dreams game and they made it into an event. And it kind of worked out for everybody, right? It could not have gone better unless you're a Yankees fan. Yeah, but... Uh, so the reason that this is getting gets a gold star is because one of the things that MLB has to do better is just grow the game. And now they probably should have made this one so that it was not a subject to any regional blackouts, but that's they'll never figure that one out. But the idea was something very gimmicky. Like there's no argument against it. It was a gimmicky thing that was silly and it was not on any real anniversary of Field of Dreams because Field of Dreams came out in 1989. But it was done really, really well. It was the most watched baseball regular season broadcast in 16 years, and it was a show. If you're going to try to sell people on the game, that's the game to show them. Yeah, I've heard some criticism that, oh, it is about a movie that, you know, it's based on a movie that came out in, in, in 1989, and it's not old people you need to talk into watching baseball. And it's like, but those old people watch baseball in a lot of cases because – there is something, I think, magical about baseball that doesn't apply to a lot of other sports um, because of the lack of, of, you know, the pressure of the clock um, being there and because of the, you know, the one-on-one -on -one nature of the kind of matchups that happen in baseball. It's really got a different feel to it. And one of the great ways to get a sense for that feel, if you're, you know, trying to introduce the game to someone, is to take a bunch of stuff away and leave it with kind of that quiet, small, thoughtful space that is a baseball diamond. Even if the and, and I mean the cornfield in the distance is just icing on the cake, right? Yeah, and they also they handled the spectacle of it very well. You know, taking back the exact opposite of what you just said. <laughs> you know, they're, they're making it something beyond just a baseball game. It's having the players come out of the corn and it. it hit the nostalgia button nicely and then hit the baseball button perfectly. Yeah. 
but very different than what you would do if you were trying to go back in time and, and do a retro football game, right? The feel is not the same thing at all. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, I also liked, uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't tune in for the game per se, but the score bug was great. The monochromatic, well, pretty much monochromatic green and white and, and black score bug down in the corner. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just felt, it's like, wow, I didn't know you could do a retro score bug and have me go, yeah, that's about right. That's how that should look. Obviously, the whole thing was just so the fox also gets the gold star here for doing that. Yeah. All the right touches. Um, all the right touches. And, I mean, getting Kevin Costner to show up, I'm sure it wasn't super difficult, but it was also very cool. So, yeah, enjoy your gold star, MLB. We'll be raking you over the coals next week about some other silly thing that you've done. If you even like get a bar stool garbage. Yeah. Please We're do just going to leave it at that because please, that's all it deserves. Please don't. That's good. Uh, what was it? I was watching a podcast. It was about a representation of, you know, minorities and stuff. And I think it was video games. Um, and the person said, you know, they need like a, someone whose entire job is to just look at things and go, hey, like maybe don't. <laughs> I feel like MLB needs that person in an office somewhere. Like, should we partner with Barstool Sports? Hey, maybe don't. That person should get paid $500,000 a year. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, uh, you know, we've rounded out the questions. We've talked about uh, the Field of Dreams game. We have uh, a chance for you to compose a thought at the end of the podcast here that I call the final thought. Yeah. So... My final thought, I was going to, this is not my final thought, but one thing we forgot to mention earlier, they cut Patrick Murphy. I couldn't believe that happened. I've been hyping this guy up all season. (laughs) (laughs) Someone who could really make a difference out of the bullpen. And he wasn't very good out of the bullpen this year, but he's still got a great arm and that great curveball. So I'm surprised they cut him. But anyway, my final thought is that Joey Votto, MVP candidate? (laughs) Who saw that coming? Oh, man. He just got his 2,000th career hit, like just got it as we're recording this. And he's now hitting 282 with a 376 on base and a 574 slugging with 26 home runs. Joey Votto is like the baseball genius that Trevor Bauer purports to be, but the exact opposite kind of person. How could you not be rooting for Joey Votto at this point? And the the best thing was someone asked him, so you were hitting more home runs now? He's like, well, yeah, I'm trying to hit home runs. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. There's an old Reggie Jackson quote. He said, don't ever tell a kid that you can go up and try to hit a home run because it'll ruin him. But trust me, you can go up and try to hit a home run. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, yeah. So go Votto, go. Absolutely. Uh, my final thought um, is uh, briefly, Tyler Gilbert, congratulations. First MLB start. Uh, and he throws a no hitter after some relief appearance opportunities prior. That's awesome. It also makes this the most no hitterish um, season ever on record. The eighth one thrown. The, even after the removal of the sticky stuff, uh, we still roll on. Well, it's tied with, I think it's 1884, which is the first year they could throw overhand. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say we're just going to stick to the modern era and I'm okay with it. <laughs> you don't say. But that's not my final thought. I mean, that's just a congratulations. My final thought 
is uh, someone who is not in the first no-hitter of their entire career club. Uh, are you, do you remember Wilson Alvarez? Yes, he no-hit the Blue Jays. Um, or no, 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 he threw no-hitter, maybe not against the Blue Jays. That was the same day that Dave Stewart no-hit the Blue Jays. That's why I have them connected. There you go. So here is the the odd addendum to the um, Wilson Alvarez no-hitter. Wilson Alvarez had thrown one start prior to, um, to his no-hitter in 1991. He threw that in 1989, two years prior, as a Texas Ranger, and he got nobody out and allowed three runs. He had two a, homers. He had an infinite ERA. I actually have a baseball card where someone printed the infinity symbol in the ERA column for him. You have this baseball card? I do. It's a 1992 awesome. Donruss. So, 1990. Uh, sorry, 1990 Donruss. Yes. Um, so yes, he had an infinite ERA after his first start. Had to wait two years and then returned in his second start to throw a no-hitter. I think that is a way cooler story. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, you know, hit the Orioles. But uh, that's that's awesome. I, I love uh, that stat. Yeah. If you go to Sabre.org, um, there is a full rundown of that game where there's a whole bunch of other things about Wilson Alvarez uh, and that, that start and that date that are pretty cool. But um, from a purely statistical standpoint, I thought that was hilarious and really, really neat. So yeah, that that is my final thought, is uh, sometimes throwing a no-hitter in your second start is way more interesting. <laughs> ah, which is to say that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 217, and we'll talk at you next week. Mm -hmm.